Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by the new Squarespace. Squarespace introduces a new content management system, making it faster and easier to create a high-quality website or blog. Plus, they now offer mobile responsive designs with automatic device scaling and more than 50 other new features. For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase on new accounts, just go to squarespace.com slash twip and use the offer code TWIP12. This week on TWIP, photo ethics in the Big Apple, two very different photo tales in New York City, Facebook and iFi unveil new cloud services, the Black Eyed Peas frontman Will I Am's new iPhone modification, and an interview with street photographer James Maher. It's Wednesday, December 5th, 2012. And this is Twip. And welcome back to Twip. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. On today's show, we got a bunch of stuff to talk about. We're going to talk about photo ethics in the Big Apple. There's two very different stories that kind of illustrates two different sides of New York City in terms of photography. So we're going to talk about that and also Facebook and iFi unveiling their cloud services or or the ability to easily push images up to the cloud using their services. And then thirdly, we're going to talk about Will I Am's, the guy, the the lead man from the Black Eyed Peas releasing a new iPhone or some kind of accoutrement slash Frankenstein stuff to go on. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that a little bit. I want to get this this panel's opinion on that. Plus, there's an interview in this episode with street photographer James Maher. So it was a really good and, and interesting talk on how to approach street photography and do it the correct way. So he's out there shooting each and every day, and he was he was pulling the covers back on how he does that. So joining me to d- discuss these topics and more... Wait for it. Richard Harrington, Valerie Jardin, and Mr. Yevgeny Chabotarov. Hey, guys. Hello. Hey. Hi, this Frederick. Here. That That's imp- a lot of syllables in the show. <laughs> <laughs> but I got them all in there, didn't I? <laughs> you didn't even breathe. I was impressed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm reading, Richard. Come on. Give me yeah. a break. <laughs> Lots of practice. Lots of practice. Lots of practice. Hey, I'm out of practice. I haven't done, we haven't done a show in two weeks. We've been running interviews because we've been holidays and workshops and all kinds of crazy stuff. So, yeah. But we're back. We're back and we're live, kind of live. So let's <laughs> let's start with the new guy. Let's see who hasn't been on the show in the longest. I think Evgeny. I think you're, you have the, the title of being the newest. So, what's what's going on in your world, man? Well, busy working, obviously, so I'm still at work uh, so that I can get the highest speed connection as possible. Mm-hmm. And Very good. Well, by the way, before you continue, just so people, if they didn't recognize your name, you're one of the masterminds behind 500picks.com. So, yes. you know, people are like, who is this? You get it. You are yeah, 500 picks. <laughs> Who's this guy? <laughs> this guy with the cool accent. It's Jim Giddy. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, 500picks, one of the... the the fastest up-and-coming photo sites on the web. So, okay, so continue. What's going on with you? Well, the biggest news that we had in the past month is that we released our iPhone app. Uh, it got more than 100K downloads in 48 hours. Wow. So it got been a major success for us. 
Uh, and it's free in the App Store, so you should check it out. It gets all the best photography in your iPhone. And you'll get, if you're shooting and you're posting photos on 500px, you'll get all the push notifications and all the updates uh, around your photography. So you'll see who liked the photo, favorited it, uh, left a comment, or followed you. So it kind of keeps you on the go and keeps you up to date with what's happening. Very cool. All right. And it's, that's, that's both on iPhone and Android, right? Uh, we already, well, we already have Android, and it's going to have another release, uh, another update tomorrow, actually, uh, and more updates in the future. And uh, there's a lot more apps that we're working right now, which I cannot tell you, Ugh. but they are really, really exciting. Cool. All right. Well, I'll have to, we'll have to have you back on again to talk about those when they go live. Yeah. Cool. All right. And also, so I guess next up from you is Richard Harrington. Richard, I, you've been on the show and I've interviewed you, but not in a while. I don't think see, I don't think you've been on Twip since you took over Photo Focus, right? Probably not. No, I've been um, you know, I've been helping Scott with Photo Focus for a while. Uh, another photography podcast and a daily blog, and uh, I'm just stepping up doing some more of the day to day stuff there. So you'll see more posts uh, both on the blog and. Um, you know, he and I are podcasting together, and then I'm doing the show sometimes on my own. So oh, okay. uh, I enjoy that. Actually, we we just put an interview with you together, and that's going to be coming out before the end of the year. So if you guys would like to hear Frederick on the other side of the mic, and <laughs> you know, because usually the host doesn't get to get in too much to what they're doing, uh, it's very interesting. And so Frederick had some great advice on marketing, and you'll want to check that out. But uh, things have been busy. So, yeah, I've been helping out on Photo Focus and taking some of that over. Um, I actually stopped writing physical books for a while. We'll see how long that while is. But I've been shifting all of my attention to digital books. Nice. And I've got a bunch coming out. Um, I've been writing them like a storm, trying to figure out all the different methods and the components and uh, balancing that now, are out. These, are these coming out as iBooks or, or, or PDFs no, or what? All, all of the above. I, I, through all my research and everything I've been discovering, there is no universal delivery format. You know, the iBooks one is one of the sexiest ones, mm-hmm. but if you do that, you're still leaving, you know, 80% of the people out who want to read it can't read it. And 30, a- and 30% of the profit. <laughs> Yeah. Well, no, I, I don't mind that. You know, we can get into that at another time. But, you know, trust me, uh, when I sell a book, when you buy one of my print books that's at 40 bucks, I'm getting about $1.50. So I if know. somebody wants to take 30% of the money and give me 70 I am more than, fine, more than <laughs> nice. okay with that. But, nice. uh, but we're doing PDF. We're doing EPUB. We're working with Adobe on their DPS, and that's exciting. I got so excited by digital publishing. I'm actually working on a conference that's a couple of weeks away, and a ton of photo people are there. Uh, you know, of course, Scott Bourne's going to be there. Scott Kelby's speaking. Terry White, um, Guy Kawasaki, who's a photographer himself, but also uh, a well-known evangelist. I'm really excited by this movement. Um, ASMP came on board and American Society of Media Photographers. And, and what we're just seeing is all of a sudden the ability for the photographer to be a full-blown storyteller and producing apps and books are right at their fingertips. And I like this. I like when the technology shifts, just like when pop- Podcasting let me be a broadcaster without having to work at the TV station anymore. And blogging let me publish a magazine without having to go to the printing press anymore. Um, It's really exciting where this is going. That is really cool. What's what's that conference called again? It's called TAP, T-A-P, 2013.com. And I'll give people a discount code at the end of the show that you can give out to your to your listeners. But it's it's a cool conference, and it's all about helping people monetize their content 
publish their content. Uh, it, it's exciting. And I can't tell, I mean, just to give people an idea, and, and, and I, I think you know, um, you would agree, we were just talking about new tablet apps coming out. Mm-hmm. Right now, laptops outnumber desktop computers four to one, and within two years' time, there'll be six times more tablets than laptops. So <laughs> in about, you know, like in a couple of years, there's going to be 24 times more computers, I'm sorry, laptops, you know, blah, 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 tablets than computers and already 60 percent of people out there say they would give up their television before their smartphone or ipad wow i love that so things are just going bonkers and and i I think as professional image creators as storytellers as people with messages and visions to share it's exciting what's happening i love it i love it it's a great time to be a, a content creator image maker creative person in general it's great so, all right. Speaking of content creator, image maker, Valerie Jardin is also on the show, who Hi. is finally back in the country from probably some black and white country, Valerie. <laughs> yeah, I'm leaving again next month. But yes, I, uh, I think I've been on the show once since my last workshop in October. Um, so I'm selling my 2013 workshops. I have four week-long workshops and France and May and October again next year, Paris and Normandy. And I just added two weekend workshops in San Diego in March and Minneapolis where, which is where I live in June, excuse me, June. So, uh, busy with that, busy writing again for DPS. And, um, actually rich, I, I did write an article or two for photo focus a couple of years ago. Come on back. And, if you I should, yes, now that things are slowing down a little bit for a few weeks. I I, I noticed you said that you're holding a workshop in Minnesota in June. That's one of two months out of the year that there's no chance of snow, right? That's right. Well, then, (laughs) it has snowed in the summer here, so you never know. But hopefully it'll be, it's either snowing or hot and humid, so we can't win. (laughs) Wow, wow. So, yeah. Well, well, cool. It's been fun. Well, welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you. All you guys. It's good to talk to you. And then on me, just to sort of a wrap up on, on the things that I've been up to, um, last weekend I did a, a DIY, do-it-yourself photography workshop at Brooks Institute of Photography for those guys. It was a blast. We had some great people in the room, and we we made light modifiers strictly from a bunch of, like, uh, a wheelbarrow full of Home Depot stuff, <laughs> and, then, and then took photos. We did we did kind of a, a pseudo DIY model shoot, and then uh, you know had a good time. We learned all about lighting, learned all about how to deal with models, how to shoot. had had a great time. There's a great great group of people in the room. So. Did he, did you have to hand out any band-aids, Frederick, with all that do-it-yourself stuff happening? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, because I decided not to bring any sheet metal with me. So. So, so no, there was no welding or anything. No welding and no explosives. Maybe a little duct tape and gaffer's tape, but uh, you know that was about <laughs> it. Um, and then uh, this one other thing before we continue with the show, Thomas Hawk uh, is reporting on his site, I think it was, or on online somewhere that two of Twip, you know, our Twip sort of family have tied the knot. Nicolzi and Brian Matias, or Mat- I can never pronounce his last name, Matias. Brian, I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name, but Nicole and Brian have tied the knot. <laughs> they've got they've gotten married, so you know the the photo world has just decreased because they're now one person. So congratulations, awesome. yeah, congratulations, congratulations to those guys. Yep. Yeah, congrats. 
All right, guys, before we jump into the news, um, this week's contest giveaway on This Week in Photo, we're going to be giving away a 16 by 20 iAcrylic heirloom print. And these prints are three and a quarter inches thick, and they're backed with like polished stainless steel. So we're going to give one away. You know, all you have to do is, you know, punch in your email address and you'll be entered to win. Um, we'll put the link to enter the contest in the show notes for this episode, but you can check out what they make. iAcrylic at iAcrylic.net. Check them out and, uh, and enter the contest. It's going to be a good one. All right, let's jump into the news. It's a lot of crazy stuff to talk about. This first one, we're kind of back to the twip of the old days when we talk about controversial stuff. And this one is uh, pretty controversial. So the first one was a human nature story. You guys, you guys saw that story about the New York uh, Police Department officer Larry DePrimo giving shoes to a, uh, a veteran. His name was Je- is Jeffrey Hillman. Did you guys see that that whole discourse yeah. on that online? Yeah. Yeah, so that was that was really cool that he, that he did that. But the, the the photography slant on that is the uh, the tourist that took the picture. Her name is Jennifer Foster. Was just visiting from Arizona, and she snapped the photo, and then the photo just went viral. And it's just I wanted to talk about that on the show a little bit because it's just it's just interesting how something like that these days. I mean, if you if you rewind back, say ten years, now, Valerie, I know you're too young to remember back that far, but but ten. <laughs> Ten, you remind you rewind back ten years, going something going viral like this would never have been possible. But yet today, someone, just, a tourist in New York, snaps a photo with their iPhone, and boom, millions of people see it. It's on in magazines all over the place, and the officer becomes a hero and all this stuff. So and she posted it to a social network and released all of her rights and has no control over the image for the rest of her life. <laughs> Richard Harrington, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about that, Richard. So do you think it was a bad idea for her to... Re- I mean, she's not a photographer, right? She was just taking well, a picture. No, I know. But the the, the thing is, I, I have two major issues with this story. And before I come off sounding like a, a jerk... Um, a lot of what my client, my, my clients are, and what my company does is help nonprofit groups with their public service announcements, and we do a lot of advocacy and social work. And this whole story, to me, just absolutely smacks of, hey, we all want to feel good about something and the good of humanity. So instead of putting money in the Salvation Army kettle or instead of getting out there and making a donation to the Red Cross or donating blood, we're just going to pass this picture around Facebook to prove that humanity is good while we sit on our ass and play Farmville on Facebook. So I'm sounding like a cranky old man here, but like this is just the classic example of an internet mem where people get obsessed over one little thing that was good. It takes on its own life. The follow-up stories on this that are truly depressing is that, you know, the guy already got rid of the shoes. The guy, you know, is hiding them because he's afraid that they're going to be stolen from them. He obviously has issues. You know, there's a big in-depth interview with him about not connecting with his kids. Instead of this becoming an opportunity for something to become good, we focus on things that are just not right. And it, it points to the problem with social networks of people do just let their images go. Um, she probably doesn't care, and that's fine. But I, I just think, and I don't want to be the downer here, that this is just a classic example of the Internet getting obsessed on an image and losing track of the story. Now, that's deep. So, that, I mean, you, you opened a, a bunch of different things in that. So let, let's just focus on one. So the social network piece of it and giving up the right. So say, say Jennifer Foster was a photographer, you know, like a real, a, you know, a professional photographer. 
what should she have done in that situation? Like she, she's in New York. Say she's on vacation. She happens to have her micro four thirds camera or something with her. She sees this thing going down. She snaps a picture and she wants to share it. What, what should she have done? There are some services, um, you know, ProPic comes to mind. Some of the stuff I'm working on and, and maybe 500 PX is this way where if you share the image, you still retain the rights. And then that content can be posted to a social network through an iframe so it never hits their oh, servers yeah right. the little thumbnail does but there's ways around this that you could be sharing links or things to social networks without it and I, I think we're going to talk about this a little bit later but i was pretty disturbed when i flipped open my phone and i saw facebook doing the same thing google did so we'll, we'll save that for later in the show but yeah let's face it these services are free for a reason because they want to monetize our content and that's really their purpose is to monetize our content and advertise to us i right. use but you got to be mindful of that. Evgeny, while well, you jump in here, so you're you're kind of an authority of these online sites, and you know, you saw. I'm sure you saw the story in the notes here. What you know, th- taking this in the context of or from the from the lens that Richard's looking at this through, where where do you come in at? I'm actually taking a more open approach. So my idea is that we actually. So one of the things we introduced Creative Commons not so long ago, maybe about a month ago, mm-hmm. uh, on 500 px. And it was met with great enthusiasm because people just want more options. Before, if you upload anything on our site, it's always copyrighted, right? So a photographer retains the right. But some photographers, they just actually want to give the content away. That's their way of thinking. And uh, I don't think that, you know, making, making money off the cell phone shot of, of the good gesture is actually... Uh, meaningful in in any way. I mean, like if it's uh, if it's Britney Spears <laughs> under uh, um, I don't know, like uh, TMZ would license shots that way. But yeah, yeah, you're doing, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, you're doing the right thing. You're giving people a choice to say how they license their stuff. So you know, I got no problem with that. I give away some of my images too, yeah. but you gave them a choice, and for that, I respect what you're doing. And my understanding is that if that photo is to be used on newspaper, then uh, she might expect to get paid if that's uh, if oh, that's, that's her true. purpose. So would she? So if since she released it on, well, I don't know where she is, Facebook or something. Since she released it online, and we talked about this with with Jack Resnicki uh, before, like Richard said, her her rights Facebook, are pretty much Facebook, gone. It's published Facebook's at that point. Getting the check, Facebook. Books getting the check if they license the high res photo. If people went in there and they just ripped it off the site at low res, but you've given when you upload those high res photos to Facebook and they store them, they can turn around and sell those or license those as prints, and they have. I've had friends who've had stuff off of YouTube licensed to news organizations. They didn't receive a dime. They didn't receive credit. The credit was to YouTube, and YouTube cashed the check. Oh, jeez. Wow. That's how they run. That's how they roll. Now, Valerie, Valerie, why don't you jump in here? So, I mean, you, you saw the story as well. Where do you come down on this? You you found yourself in different cities before doing things and taking pictures, uh, I would assume, sort of randomly of, of different things that happen around you. Well, how does this story strike you? You know, did Jennifer do the right thing, or should she have thrown a model release in the, you know, in the mix and said, hey, guy with no shoes, sign this, and Officer Bob, sign this too. You know? I, I don't even think she knew what, I mean, did she really know what she captured that day, or did she just thought that was a cool shot of somebody doing something nice with somebody? She probably had no clue it was going to go viral like this anyway. And she she shot it with her phone. So, yeah. um, I mean, to me, it shows the power of just – 
the power of a single photograph and I wasn't going to, you know, think much further (laughs) than that. You know, there's a single frame that shows this wonderful gesture without really knowing the story behind it. It's a story in a frame. But whether she she really, you know, I don't think she had any idea this was going to go viral if she posted it on Facebook. Yeah. Just like this woman who took the picture of, um, well, actually, she was hired to photograph this um, this guy and Lake Superior who was in the water with his old German Shepherd dog, and he would take him for uh, for swim every every night just to ease his arthritic. Um, pain and this picture went viral and well this was a professional photographer who took the picture but people just loved the image it was a really touching image a few months ago of this of this guy in the water of cold water of lake superior with his old dog and um i thought that was very touching and and uh i didn't really think you know yeah, you, 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 you're thinking of it from a from the surface, the surface levels. Exactly. Human I mean, nature. It's a great. She was walking, going to get a cup of coffee. She saw this happening. She snapped a picture, and as many people are conditioned to do these days, probably posted it to Facebook, made a post, put it on Facebook so that people could see it, and yeah. and she, she could brag that she was place. in New York. Yada yada yada. Right. Yeah, it's a public place. You know, she took this is a street street photography. That's how I look at it. Yeah. And yeah. it's a story. It tells a story in a frame. And, and uh, I don't... Well, I, no, I, I think I think the folks... That, the takeaway from this is the folks that are listening to this show right now are typically photographers, right? So, Or at least have some interest in photography. So consider yourselves armed knowing that, based on what Richard and Evgeny have just said, that when you're out there and you're taking pictures, there's rights involved with this stuff. And if you're just willy-nilly taking pictures and putting them on Facebook or Twitter or Pinterest or whatever, you're giving away some or all of your rights to those images. So don't think that you're just sharing them and they're still yours. You're putting your child in the system for adoption and foster care with these images, with these services and you may not see them again. So just think about that when you do it, you know, it's okay if it's, if like, if, like if Guinea and Valerie were saying, if it's okay, if you're just, you know, you just want, that's what you want to do. You want to share it. You don't care. This is junk food photography anyway. So you just want to put it up there, but just be cognizant of the fact that you're like Richard was saying, these guys, their business model isn't, to help you it's to make money and satisfy their shareholders and they make money by monetizing your content so which isn't bad it's just the way it is all right so the as ne- long as, as long as you know what you're doing it's okay exactly as long as you know that when you get on the you know you try to cross the river on the back of that crocodile he may bite you <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> just be just be informed but but that that's because we make a living out of photography but this woman was just a tourist with a phone yeah. Hey, but some of the most probably never some, even crossed some of the her mind. valuable news footage and some of the most valuable news photos True. ever acquired are shot by tourists with phones. Yeah, some of the best footage was shot accidentally. I mean, you know, when the towers were hit, some of that best footage was by tourists who just happened to be there. Some of the stuff of the Olympics. I mean, I loaded up the story here and the images here, and you know what? There is not a photo credit on this image about her. On UPI, whose tagline says over 100 years of journalistic excellence, ran the photo and uh, didn't credit her. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's, that's because things are go so quickly now. I mean, even 9/11, things 
were not yeah. uploaded within seconds. I wonder if she cares, though, Jennifer Foster, the, the, the tourist from Arizona. I wonder if she even cares that she didn't get the credit. I mean... I mean, I know we would because that's 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 the world we live in. But if you're, you know, if she's a doctor or whatever, and you know, she just was happy, she happened to be visiting and snapped the photo, put it up online. She's probably just looking at the view count, and you know, wow, this thing got viewed this many times. I'm cool, you know, or just yeah. yeah. The, the the only takeaway here is, that, you know, I'm not, I can't say that she should care or shouldn't care. Yeah. The big deal is just that those people who do care about their images need to start looking at terms of service, and yeah. as you're choosing sites to host your images make sure you consider what happens when you take those images down are they now off that server and are they yours or have you given them you know i guess if i could throw back you know what's 500 px's take like when somebody cancels their account what happens to their images simple we delete the photos within 24 hours and you never see them again and we don't ever see, see them again so they are gone that's the, that Wonderful. is the perfect answer. And even, and even worse, that some people really want back after a few weeks, and we say, like, look, your photos are gone. You have to upload them again. I love it. So, yeah. And that's the way it should be. Can you, can you send an email to Mark Zuckerberg and, <laughs> and tell him that when someone closes their Facebook account, actually close the account? <laughs> Don't put it in stasis, you know, because that's, that's kind of what they do. Um, the other story that I want to touch on real quick here before we move on is, and Richard, I want to, I'm going to throw this to you first. Um, you read this. So Mm -hmm. this, this 58 year old man was pushed onto a subway track moments before the, a a train was coming and a photographer, a post photographer happened to be on the same platform. He said he started running towards the 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 guy flashing his camera or essentially taking photos. So he ra- rattled off a bunch of shots saying that he was trying to alert the oncoming train with his flash. Of course, didn't work and yeah. you know the the uh the the conductor or the train operator you know the the bad things happened. So what what do you think about this? I mean just I'm yeah. not going to guide the witness at all. Just tell me what you no, think. No, no, no. Well, well, let me just start by saying I was a journalism major in college and I worked several years in news. Uh, I no longer work in news because I'm so disgusted with where most news organizations have gone. Uh, so I'm stepping off the soapbox now. I would like to give this person the benefit of the doubt that they were running towards the train, flashing the thing, trying to respond. If you saw something like that happen, you're going to act on impulse. And his impulse might have been to shoot. You know, that was his train. That was his training. Maybe he's trying to rationalize it by saying he was trying to also warn the train. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. The scum sucker who decided to run the photo, I'm sorry, mm. there is no reason to run that photo other than to sell newspapers. And maybe you're in the business to sell newspapers, but there's nothing – you could run this story when there's criminal charges filed. You could run the story that somebody died. With all the crud going on in the world, the only reason that you would run this as a cover photo is because you have no morals or ethics and you are trading human suffering – for a few pennies on the dollar. Mm. Now, Valerie, what about you? You're in the same situa- situation. You see this going down. You have your camera. What do you do? Um, well, so that's the thing. You really have to be in the situation to know. Mm-hmm. But knowing, uh, knowing, it, knowing the variables of the situation, you see I the guy on I the would... tracks, the train's coming, you see the light, he's oblivious, and you, you need to do something. You have your camera out already. What do you do? Oh, I I'm I don't have training. I'm not a photojournalist. I don't think I would have even thought of 
putting the camera to my, you know, bringing the camera to my eye, there, I think I would have totally frozen. Mm. Um, I'm not sure I, I would even have been able to run. Uh, you see something like that, you only have a few seconds to react. Um, but definitely taking a picture, I think, would have been the first thing from my mind. Yeah. Um, now, would I have... I, I really don't know. You know, yeah. it, it, did he feel tough. his life was threatened yeah. if he if he jumped on the tracks and then there were going to be two casualties instead of one? <laughs> were there people who were a lot closer? And sounds like it. There were people much closer who didn't react at all. Yeah, I'm, um, not, I'm not. I'm not faulting him for not jumping no. on the tracks trying to mm-hmm. save the guy, but I, I would just ask you. Would you have deleted those images from your role and not even offered them to the the organization you worked for? I mean, the, you know, he made a conscious choice to tell his employer, "I have photos of this." Mm-hmm. And yeah. This mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for me, in my in my situation, I was, if I was there and I did this, and I'm like generally trying to notify or trying to get the attention of the the the, the train conductor, um, I I would not have used those images. I would not. I would. I wouldn't even want the family of the guy to see those images. That's they, the they'd thing. be gone. The, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I thought too. And I watched the interview that uh, you linked to the show notes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he seems really honest and 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 very sorry and he it sounds like he really did his best um the decision to license the images to the paper you know that was his call and uh what they did with it was to me i I think also was very unethical thinking of of the family i mean well, we, we don't we don't know the we don't know this photographer's situation but Yevgeny, let me throw it to you so if put a different spin on it now let's say this photographer is struggling you know we're in tough economic times and you know he's trying to figure out a way to to pay rent this next month maybe he was you know he lost a lot in the, in the, the whole sandy destruction if that's the, the 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 situation that's going on would he be in the right to try to make a couple bucks on this image by list by licensing it to the post or should he still have taken the high road and said no I think it depends on the integrity of the person. So if he, uh, it's the same, like, you know, would you be selling crack on the streets if you're in bad economic situation? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's something like where you should take the conscious choice and, uh, and pretty much choose for yourself. And like, in all, in all of my choices, and I think that all people should do that, uh, everybody should be guided by the highest moral choice, which is, pretty much universal across every nation and every language. And uh, that's, pro- that's probably pretty much like why I stopped watching the news because all the news, they, uh, they're all about destruction, wars, and mm-hmm. like all the bad news because that's something that sells, as, as Richard pointed out. And uh, it is, uh, it, well, it is human nature to be attracted to that kind of things because, well, all, all, the, uh, all the news like that sells really well. Uh, but it's it's heartbreaking, and I uh, if I would be in a situation to sell or not to sell, I wouldn't sell. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, you're right. Because if 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 suddenly a news organization popped up that was dedicated to only reporting good news, I wonder if anyone would watch it. <laughs> there is one called The Onion. <laughs> What was yes. it called? What was it? The Onion. The, the Onion. Oh, the, yeah, that's it. It's fake news, though. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I guess to, to, to close it out super fast, Frederick, yeah. the, the only thing I'd say is, I mean, this person that the photo was taken of was not a public figure. 
this was not, uh, there was no reason of saying, oh, there was, there was fame here. You know, this is the same thing like a lot of the court TV that drives me nuts. We do have a voyeuristic society. The rise in reality television, what's really happening is, is that a lot of people just want to look at somebody who's worse off than them. Yeah. And they want to, and that's what this is about. You know, I could fully accept that this guy's training kicked in. You know, I was a journalist. You know, it's that thing. You know, do you put down the camera and run into the fire and save somebody or do you shoot the fire? I don't expect a journalist. That's their job. They're doing what they're doing. But at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, what did running that photo do? What was the benefit? And it probably 100% came down to selling papers. And, and yeah, you're in the business to sell papers. But at the end of the day, how many readers did they lose? How many people, advertisers, did they get drop after going, you know what? We can't be associated with a paper that has such low ethics and standards. We don't want to do business with you anymore. It just re- it reminds me of – you guys remember that, that video series or something that was out a while ago? I think it's still online somewhere called Faces of Death th- that focused yeah. on people dying. That was, that was the whole draw of it because people have a fascination of watching the horrific things happen to other humans, right? So this, this – I mean that that photographer could have submitted to those guys. <laughs> it would have been, you know, probably at home right there rather than on a on a journalistic site that has some reputation in New York. So, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's a it's a it's one of those twip questions that never that doesn't have a correct answer, right? So, well, I think we we have we have too many of those images on the news and not enough of the nice gesture by that um NYPD officer giving shoes to the to yeah. the homeless person. You know, I honestly, I'd rather just go hang out on 500 picks and look at all the cool shots. <laughs> True. For inspiration. <laughs> You're yeah, kidding. I, I had to put uh, that in there for yeah. you. you know. Further, one of the comments that I have is that sometimes photojournalists actually have to shoot something that is uh, unpleasant, right? But in order to actually bring it to the people in the other parts of the world, such as like shoot, um, uh, documenting the wars in Afghanistan, for example, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it, it is that uh, part of the photojournalist, why people go there, is actually to try to change something in the behavior of people in other countries. And I think that that is, uh, that is more noble than uh, b- because it's kind of like uh, g- getting the message out. Mm-hmm. In this case, there is no message. There is just... Yeah. Tragedy news and uh, tragic news, and there is uh, there is not much outcome that could be uh, uh, could be uh, have an outcome from this photo. Yeah, it was just sensationalistic at it, at its yeah. at its worst, right? All right, guys, let's move on to something a little bit more upbeat. Uh, Facebook and iFi. So I know you guys probably have. I'm, I'm sure everybody on the panel has an opinion on this. Let's start with Facebook. So they introduced photo sharing. So uh, I think they're calling it PhotoSync for iPhone and Android, and they allow you essentially to upload all the photos that you take with your devices up to two gigabytes up to Facebook automatically. One interesting thing about this way that Facebook has implemented this is it's opt-in instead of (laughs) opt-out. So normally the way Facebook thrusts features on us is, hey, everybody has it, and the folks that don't want it, you can turn it off, but it just it's on by default. This is the reverse. So it's off, and you have to actually say, yes, upload my photos. But most people have okay-itis. It's not really off. Like, it, it 
prompted you and said, can, you know, like when I launched the app, hey, there's this new feature. Would you like it? And, you know, so the OK button was the first choice. So the yes was the first choice. It wasn't like a setting you had to go in and turn on to enable. When you first update the app and fired it up, there it was in your face. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you're right. They did the right thing by making a choice. Unlike Google's app, which had it on by default when it first started shipping, you had to go turn it off. Um, this is one of those cases where, yes, it was a choice, but most people will just click the button without even thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So, so Richard, while you're on that, did you click the button? Oh, heck no. (laughs) (laughs) I upload a lot of pictures to Facebook and and I'm fine with that. And I put a lot of personal pictures. I put a lot of semi-professional pictures. I put some of my iPhoneography up there. Um, But I choose what goes up there. And and come on, how often have you butt dialed somebody or accidentally taken a picture of something you weren't supposed to, or you're pulling your phone out of your pocket and you get something that you don't want? Do you really want pictures that you haven't looked at, processed, or developed going up to a server that's never going to throw them away? Yeah, that's true. And it just just to caveat that, the the way that Facebook is doing this is you have to actually once once the images from your photo stream are uploaded, you have to go in and and choose which ones you want to appear in your photo stream. So it's not like if you if you take a butt shot by accident and it, it gets uploaded, your entire friend base will see your butt shot, right? So you have to actually physically go in there and say, "Yes, this image I would like everyone to see." But, but yes, yeah, but it's still being on the end up online than if it, if you never uploaded it. In the first place correct yeah but yeah that said it is still on a server somewhere right one step closer to a stupid mistake correct correct i don't know yevgeny what, what do you think of this new feature on facebook is this no, the I, right move I, I totally agree with richard um i used to have google plus once upon a time and they had the same uh, out upload which is seems a little too early like i'm an early adopter of, of all things mm-hmm. uh and uh, it's the same with Facebook. It seems a little too invasive, so I have it off for Google Plus and for Facebook as well. Uh, I don't want all the shots on the internet. I want most of the off my shots on the internet, but probably not all. Mm, interesting, Valerie. What about you? When you're when you're out and about taking your iPhone shots, do you want them to automatically go to, to Facebook? You guys are gonna laugh because I just got my first um, smartphone. So. <laughs> Wow. I, I resisted sure. so long. I did, I did not want a smartphone because I kind of want it to be disconnected once in a while. Um, there, and it I, does have an off button on it, just so you know. I, well, yeah, but the temptation. I kind of like to, yeah. you know, if I have a few minutes of daydreaming, I still kind of like to daydream or read a book yeah. and not being on Facebook or, or checking my email. Um, that said, I do not use my iPhone to um, to take pictures much, mm. and I've never uploaded one on Facebook. Um, I I don't use my personal face my personal wall for Facebook. I only use my page, and I only post one picture a day that I carefully select that will. It's I'm in the business of photography. I I teach workshops, so I'm I'm very careful, and I select my my pictures carefully to to either teach something or it has something to do with a destination, yeah. uh, street photography, and so forth. So I'm I really believe that you know we should only show our best work, 
and just taking a picture with my phone and posting it on Facebook without with barely looking at it. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah, no, I hear you. I like I like that. I mean, there's you know, there's no right way or wrong way to to do this stuff. So the the other thing that was announced this week was iFi unveiling Cirque. And it's a photo sync service that allows you. So basically, if you if you're not familiar with iFi, that's e y e fi. They make these Wi-Fi enabled SD cards that you stick in your camera and configure them, and then when you shoot, you can shoot directly to the cloud. And that's what this new service allows you to do. So shoot, they they go directly from your camera into the Wi-Fi network that you've authenticated against, and boom. So now you're you know, you're not, there's no longer this sort of uh, restriction of how much space is on your CF card. I think you can even choose to bypass the card itself completely and have unlimited shooting. I'm holding up quote fingers, but unlimited shooting because everything you shoot is going up to a cloud and they're charging 50 bucks a year and they support up to 20 devices, computers, etc. So Evgeny, looking at this, what do, you, what do you think about this? Is this uh, like, will this iFi Cirque service find a way into your workflow? Well, the thing is I, I used to, well, I wanted to try the iFi for uh, w- once a while ago yeah. and it didn't work for me. Like there is something with the software where you have to install and it doesn't work with all the secured Wi-Fi networks, especially right. something like VPA2 Enterprise. Uh, so If you have to and, enter a username and password and all that, then you, you've got issues, yeah. Yeah, and there's some other issues. So I, I like the idea, but it just didn't work for me. So it seems like a um, great idea on paper, especially like if you're – Let's say you're a street photographer, so you're shooting something, and you can go to Starbucks uh, and get your photos in the cloud, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, it seems convenient, but I'm sure, like, if you're in real life and you're doing the real uh, real life test, then and something breaks, you'll be more frustrated than happy with, with the service. Right. So it's it's something that I'm sure that uh, the future would be more like Galaxy Nexus camera plus LTE, so that you can get access. Anywhere, it's fast, and you can get all your Android apps uh, with nice lens, a nice camera, a nice sensor. Now, now, Richard, do you see yourself in the future using a service like this or hardware slash service like this to upload your images directly to the cloud? Oh, eventually. The, um, the, the issue, though, is I, we, we reviewed the iFi card. Hey, Evgeny, Evgeny, I think we're getting some noise from your side over there. Yep, I'll try to minimize it. Are you are you doing dishes? Is that what's going on? Sure, <laughs> actually, so I'm at, I'm at, I'm at work, and we have the cleaner coming up at around nine uh, fifty p.m. Uh-oh. right now. Uh-oh. So so yeah. Okay, all right, you're all good. Go ahead, Richard. Sure, we we tested the iFi card on Adorama TV. I I do some some videos for them, and here was the thing that Eugenie was mentioning that that's kind of a drawback, which is that you have to put this card in a laptop or a computer and use the software tool to basically connect to that network, enter your login credentials, and then store it. So you have to set this card up with each network you want to join 
or you have to sign up for like I don't know if it was Boingo or some of those other ones that are in a lot of the coffee shops mm-hmm. and in the you know the, the places. So getting this to once you configure this, it's great. Like so, if you're always shooting in the same place or you've got your laptop there and you're looking for a way to shoot tethered, this is fine. But this is not a, a situation where you just pop a card in your camera and anytime you find a Wi-Fi network, you know like rub your fingers together and the images are going up. I mean, it takes a lot of work and configuration to get this tech to work. Plus, if you're going to do that, then if you don't sign up for one of their plans where you're getting, you know, one of these nationwide data plans, then that's more money you have to pay on top of this. My feeling is, is why haven't manufacturers, you know, I mean, I just got the new 60 in hand and it's like Wi-Fi compatible. Of course, all these are Wi-Fi compatible. It's a marketing term. For gosh sakes, put the chipset in there that we have in our mobile phones, put an LTE thing and let me use the plan or let me just tether to my phone and send it over. I mean, my new GoPro has a Wi-Fi transmitter in it. Why can't any of my cameras have it without having to rely upon third parties and all these other issues? I, I think they're doing the right thing, and they're trying hard, and they've got a good solution. But the path that they're taking, where you have to be constantly entering in logging credentials and everything else, is a path to failure. People want these cellular plans where they just pay for it, and it works. But unfortunately, we don't have that. Or people don't want to spend another 100 bucks a month on top of their phone bill to wirelessly upload their pictures from their cameras. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm like Evgeny. I, I, I played around. I think we lost Evgeny. I'll have to call him back. Um, you know, I, I played around with iFi in the beginning, I think. And one of the issues, or one of, actually, the way that I seemed to, to work it into my workflow the easiest was as a cable replacement on my home network. So instead of and, – and that was having it sync directly to my computer, not going up to Flickr or anything like that. So you know, it was basically when, it, when I took a bunch of pictures, JPEG at the time. I'm not sure if they support RAW now. I think they do. But, they do. Yeah, okay. So but back then when I was playing with it, JPEG, I would go out and take a bunch of pictures, and this was in my, my old G9. And I could set the camera as long, as long as it was sitting on my network and the camera was powered on, those images would transfer using the iFi technology to my computer. And I didn't have to plug it in or import them or anything. It just, they just sort of showed up. So that was good. And, and, and they do have a new mobile app for like iPad and everything else. So you can connect to your iPad and push it. But your iPad and the iFi need to be on the same network. It's not, not like it's Bluetooth where it could be pairing and sending that way or something else. And like the GoPro camera has its own Wi-Fi transmitter. So you don't have to be on a network. I could fire up the GoPro and be shooting with it. And it has its own Wi-Fi transmitter. So I just connect my iPad to its internet network and pull stuff off. And then, then I can work with that. So I think they're taking the wrong approach. They, you know, While they've got really good software for syncing and publishing, and I think they've come a long way, I think the fact that you have to have all your devices on the same network and passwords enter puts a lot of hurdles in the way of making it a perfect solution. It works in certain cases brilliantly, but it's not a universal solution. Now, Valerie, what about you? Do you see see a place in your world for using something like this? Well, it sounds very complicated. Richard (laughs) said it takes a lot of work and configuration. You lost me right there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it does. It does, yeah. So you're you're out of the target market for something like this. This is a... It's for a geek-friendly device. <laughs> yeah, I'm not geeky enough yet. You're too cool for this, with, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, it looks like Skype decided that uh, Yevgeny was not worthy of this conversation. I don't know why, but I'm going to bring him back in. 
Let's see. You should show up in a second. Yevgeny, you there? Yeah. All right. Yeah, I was saying that yeah. Skype decided that it wanted to edit you out of the conversation, so I uh, I overruled them and brought you back in. <laughs> I, I, I totally understand it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Guys, we were going to talk about Will I Am and the new camera. We'll link to that in the show notes for this episode. Um, oh, darn. That was a pretty cool-looking <laughs> Essentially, well, well, essentially, it's uh, I don't know what to say about this. <laughs> it's a whole you have lot to of see bling. The picture. You have to see the picture. I'm, I'm trying to avoid the word bling. You're not allowed to use that anymore. <laughs> it's the entourage in order to have the coolness to use this camera. I, I could not see myself taking it out in the field. I would be beaten up. <laughs> I would love, I would pay money to see you whip this thing out in Photoshop World or something. <laughs> The gold one, too. The gold one, yeah, yeah with some rhinestones on it. Yeah. With my MC Hammer hot pants, I'm on it. <laughs> now I just had a vision of you doing the hammer dance, Richard. Come on. Now you totally have to link it now, link it now because people will want to see this. No, no, I totally have to do a Photoshop <laughs> rendering of Richard Harrington in <laughs> MC Hammer pants. I think that's... <laughs> That needs to happen at some point. In fact, twip listeners, if, <laughs> if you'd like to win a prize, find a photo of Richard and make him into and MC Photoshop Hammer. It, yeah. Photoshop him into MC Hammer and I will hook you up. All right. Okay. Uh, guys, before we continue, we've got a couple more minutes on the show. I want to give a nod to our sponsor. This show is sponsored by the new Squarespace. So they've officially launched and they've geared the the site toward photographers and helping make your portfolio pop. They've got a new design on the site uh, with galleries, collages, slideshows, a drag and drop interface, all this other cool stuff that's in there to make it easier for you to build your gallery and share it with people that are coming to your blog. So you can try it out. You don't need a credit card. You can just go over to squarespace.com slash twip. You can start your trial and just use the offer code twip12 for a 10% discount. It's really cool. They've got uh, one of the cool things I like about it is the the whole idea of responsive design. And back in my designer days, this was the holy grail. You know, being able to design once and have it appear correctly on any device that's looking at it, and that's what they do. So when an iPhone looks at your site, they get a different experience versus an iPad, an Android device, or on a quote unquote proper computer. So it's uh it's 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 powerful and they've sort of rewritten the entire engine behind Squarespace. It's ten dollars a month for their standard plan and twenty bucks a month for the unlimited plan. And if you sign up for a year you automatically get twenty percent off and if you sign up for two years you get twenty five percent off. And if you use the offer code TWIP12, you get 10% off of all that during checkout. So definitely check them out. They're at squarespace.com slash TWIP. All right, right now um, we're going to insert the interview from, the, from the, the photographer I spoke to. His name is James Maher out in New York City. And um, he gives a really deep insight into how to do street photography and his experiences with roaming around the village taking photos of random people. So give this a listen. I'm here with with Mr. James Mayer. He's, uh, you know, James James reached out to me. Uh, actually, he did not reach out to me. I came in contact with James via Valerie Jardin on our site, who recommended James' ebook, which I then took a look at, and then 
I connected with James, and now, look, we have an interview. It's like a butterfly flaps his wings <laughs> on TWIP, and we have an interview from somebody who's going to tell us about some cool stuff. So James is a fine art, and he's a portraiture photographer, um, and he's a studio photographer. He's based out of New York City, which we were just talking about before we started recording. As we record this, is dealing with that, that gigantic superstorm, Sandy, that's uh, hitting the area right now. Luckily... He is outside of the area in sunny California, sitting it out and going to head back today. But before he does that, he's going to chat with us about the essentials of street photography. So, James, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for just uh, for distracting me from, <laughs> <laughs> from the storm. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. I mean, that's uh, the, like we were saying before we clicked record. That's that's just unprecedented out there. Are you worried at all? I mean, I know, of course, you're worried, but are you what what's going through your mind right now in terms of you've been away from your home you've been watching the news on CNN and now you want to get back in there is 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 it the self-preservation piece of you that's saying hey my house is there I want to go look at that or is it the photographer in you saying hey I'm missing all that <laughs> I want to get back there's, there and shoot I'll tell you I've gotten a lot of emails from people saying hey send some pictures and I'm like I can't mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but uh, yeah, it's. I mean, where I'm at is I'm, we're out of power. It's if you saw that big explosion, that's kind of in the power station. That's where we're at. But my apartment's pretty safe. I, I think the outer lying areas are the more uh, dangerous areas. So it's, everything should be fine. Now, are you um, in, are you in Manhattan or where? What part of the city yeah, is in, your apartment in? In the uh, East Village of Manhattan, oh, on okay, the cool. side. Yeah, oh, you were all the cool kids. Okay, I guess exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more worried about my brother is staying at our apartment cat sitting and I'm worried about him cleaning out a refrigerator. So <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Cool. Well well, you know, best of luck. Hey, I'm Thank sure you. you know, I've been following this intently, you know, mm-hmm. and we were saying another thing we were saying before we click record click the record button was that those those uh shots from space of the storm look like like a bad photoshop job it's just the thing is just so big like the outer edges of it reach in as far as like the midwest it's like they're feeling when my sister lives in chicago she was telling me they're feeling winds in chicago that's amazing (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's four times the size of irene last year oh that's insane (laughs) that is insane I don't know what it means. I don't know what it no, means. No, definitely not. Yeah. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Anyway, so on to uh, less wet and windy topics. Let's talk about <laughs> photography. So specifically, let's talk about you. So this is the first time you're on TWIP, so welcome again. Thank you. Um, yep. So let's let's talk about you. What I like to do when people first come on the show is just get a little bit of their background. I'm looking at huh? your bio page, and I could read it, but I would like to get it from the horse's mouth. <laughs> you know, sure. Like, <laughs> like what, how, what got you started in photography, and, and how did you, how'd you get, get sort of embedded in this world? It was, I mean, I kind of fell into it. I mean, it was more, I was a math and computer science major in college about 10 years ago. And I just, you know, I, I kind of, by the time I was finished with it, I was just like, I can't do this for a career. I need to switch things up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I came back to the city and I went to the International Center for Photography. And I just, you know, enrolled in a degree there and in the SVA and kind of, I got into street photography because it's, you know, that's when you when you get a camera and you're learning photography. That's the first place you go is outside. <laughs> yeah. So you went to the SVA. So then you know one of one of the friends of TWIP, Katrina Iceman, I would assume, right? Oh yeah, I've taken a few classes with her actually. Isn't she awesome? I love. She's Katrina. really amazing. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. Okay, continue. Yeah. So I mean, I basically I started with that, and you know, I got into portraiture and all that at the same time. But it's just you know, 
photography and street photography was always kind of a release from the stress of the city. It's, it was a way to kind of explore and get to know the city better. And it just kind of, I did it at first for fun and I didn't really know it was called street photography. Yeah. And then over time I kind of started researching it more and finding more photographers and, you know, figured out there was a history there. And so it's kind of been a 10 year process for me. Okay. So I want to dive into this because because I hear, you know, I, I've heard the term street photography a lot, and it's for a lot of people, myself included, it's kind of one of those you kind of think you know what it is, you know, but you don't know what it is. Like, and I'll explain what I think street photography is. In my head, street photography is you grab your camera and you go out and you take pictures of random people in a city, right? So, like in your in East Village, for example, you go out and there's tons of interesting people to take mm-hmm. pictures of. There, right? I'm in the epicenter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're in the epicenter of interesting. So you take pictures of, you know, of those people and then process them and put them online, that kind of thing. Yeah. Another, another way that I've seen street photography done is people will set up portable studios in a location and then just get a series of photos on the same background of passersby, you know, yeah, on a particular portrait, yeah. theme. Yeah. Portraits on a particular theme. So from the horse's mouth, the author of Essentials of Street Photography, what is street photography? It's – I mean it, it, I have the same trouble as you do in defining it. It, it. I think it means kind of different things to each person, but it's not necessarily photographing people. I think it's more about photographing culture mm-hmm. and where we're from and kind of – you know, people don't have to be in the photographs. It's it's about life. You know, I mean it's it's not necessarily just in cities. You know, I'd love to see – a photographer going out and photographing their area in, you know, some small town in Russia or, you know, it could be anywhere. It's, you know, a lot of it is based on photographing people doing portraits and things like that. So is it kind of, is it, is it an offshoot of photojournalism? Like for example, I would say, Hey, I'm going to go into San Francisco and the theme that I'm going to cover today is homelessness. And I'm going to, I'm going to try to cover the topic of homelessness and, sh- and, and show what that word means in the context of San Francisco. Is that, is that fair or is it something? Yeah, I, I think so. That, I mean, that's my personal opinion. That's the stuff that I, I like the most. Um, you know, it's just, it, it's covering what you know best, where you're from. You know, like when, when I walk around the East village, it's one of the most, uh, tra- it's gentrifying, transforming neighborhoods in the city. And so I kind of like to go out and not just photograph the people, but photograph that transition. Yeah, yeah. So then, when you're when you're doing that, when you when you say, okay, I'm in I'm in photographer mode. I'm going out. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a story. You know, I'm gonna capture a story out somewhere. How do you come up with the story A? And then what do you do? You restrict yourself in terms of gear. Like, do you go out with a with a fast fifty and your you know your full frame camera, and that's all you have, or do you go out with a bag of gear just in case something you know aliens land and you want to get a shot of that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's I, I do both. I I have a uh, ADD, so I like to kind of switch up things a lot. Mm-hmm. So sometimes my favorite lens is uh, twenty eight one point eight, and I shoot with uh, the five D Mark II. Okay, cool. And so it's super light, you know, it it's not the same size as a Leica, so people still notice it, but it's, you know, it, it's it's very light and easy to use. Um yeah. and then a lot of times I'll go out with like a 24 to 105 or I'll keep that in my bag. Um but the light primes I think are generally the best because they're not as conspicuous, they're much easier to use and you know, when you feel like people aren't necessarily noticing your camera and staring at you, it makes you bolder and 
you know, it's it's just it makes you more comfortable out there. Yeah. Now, is is that is that the mo? You you try to be a fly on the wall and cap- capture moments and that that people are sort of candid in, or do you? Do you approach people and say, hi, guy on stilts with the clown hat on, I would like to take a photo of you, do you mind, and would you sign this model release? How, how does it go? Uh, I, do, I do both. I mean, for my, my favorite stuff is to do candid moments. So I'll, you know, it's, I'm not afraid of people noticing me take their picture, but I'd rather take the picture before they actually notice me. Yeah. So if people actually, you know, people end up enjoying it. If they, if they see you and take their photo – you know, keep a smile on your face, act confident, you know, talk to them about it, show them the photo. Um, it's really, it's a way to connect with people. But uh, I also do a lot of street portraiture. I do, I, I, you know, I work with a lot of local blogs and I kind of do um, portraits of people like, I, you know, I work for the neighborhood uh, East Village blog and I do portraits of people and interview them and their stories. So there's many aspects that you can do with street photography. Well, then how do, how do you work that? So if you're this is this is from, this is coming from this the standpoint of someone who you know I may go out there and I may do one of those stories on homelessness in in, in um, San Francisco, but what are the mechanics of it? Do I take a step like in the one of the previous interviews I did with uh, with Jack Resnicki, for example? And Ed Greenberg, they were talking about model releases and legalities around photographing people. Do you when you go out, do you take a stack of model releases with you and, you know, and, and have people fill them out or how does that work? I, d- I personally don't do any model releases. Um, it's, you know, for, for artistic purposes, the stuff is it's legal to use as art. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just, you know, I, it's I prefer to be candid. I, I don't uh, you know, it, it's I don't necessarily need it, you know, because it's not for advertising or commercial purposes. Yeah. Um, but also I tend to, you know, there's some people that, uh, I know I, I, if I, if I think the other person would be uncomfortable with the photograph, I I tend not to take it. Or if I feel uncomfortable with it, I tend not to take it. Now, do you, do you give your subjects copies of the image or a URL where they could go see them or do you, do they just have to kind of Uh, find them? A a lot of times it's just candid. They don't notice me and I keep going. Uh, if, if we have a conversation, I, I always offer to send them the photo um, I try to, you know, I try to be as friendly as possible. So take me, take me through a day in the life. So it's a weekend. You're going out. You're shooting. You know, what, the night before, what's going through your mind? How do you get ready for the day of doing a doing street photography? What happens when you go out? Just take me, take me through it step by step. It's well, there's there's two types. Uh, one of the main types, if you live in the East Village, is you take the camera with you everywhere when you. The craziest things are in the, in your local supermarket. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> so I always I always have my camera ready to go, and I just sling it over my shoulder. Um, but when I'm actually going out shooting, I tend to kind of create a path. You know, I'll think about where I want to go before. But at the same time, it's you, you know you have I have like projects that I'm working on over a long period of time, mm-hmm. and I have you know all the pho- photographs like at, you know edited and organized. But when I go out, I'm kind of just searching for whatever I see at that particular point because you want to be open to everything. Um, and then over time, you know, I, I build up those portfolios of, of different things. Like I like to photograph a lot of things with advertising in New York because it's really intrusive and I have a lot of attention deficit disorder. So it kind of really affects me. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, squirrel. Right? Exactly. Oh, yes, completely. <laughs> my, my wife, yeah, you could talk to my wife about that for two hours. <laughs> Um, but it's, so it's not like I necessarily go out and, and I'm like, today I'm going to photograph advertisements, but when I'm, you know, I create a path and I try to go to places that I haven't gone in a while and I'll keep my, 
mind open to all those things. Um, cause if you walk out there and you're like, I'm only going to photograph people, every person that comes, ne- comes near me, you're, there's so much other stuff that you're going to miss. Um, you know, you really want to stop yourself, take your time, pick a place maybe and wait in it. Um, that's actually probably my favorite tip is to wait, pick a specific spot and wait for people to come to you. Oh, like a duck blind, right? Yeah. Cause <laughs> People who are, you know, especially beginners who are afraid of photographing strangers, it's if they're walking and and towards a person, they kind of feel like they're invading a person's space and it makes a person very, very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But if people are coming towards you, it's the same exact thing, but except except they're they're invading your space. Interesting. So you you just camp out. How do you, how do you camp out? Is it like a park bench or on a corner? Do you bring a little chair? Like how <laughs> how, how does that work? I'll, I'll stand on a street corner and kind of – I don't actually stand there in one spot. You want to kind of move around and just seem like – So a general out. location like a square block or something and yeah, you just sort of meander an, around there. Yeah, you find an interesting location with good light, set your camera up and just kind of wander around that little area very slowly. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. That's awesome. That's a great tip. So let let the world come to you, right? Yeah, completely. That's That's probably the biggest tip. Uh, out there. Okay. So, okay. So the day's over. You, you've been hanging out in a, in a block or, or a smaller area. You got a, a CF card full of shots <laughs> and you're, you're making your way back to your apartment. Tell me what happens there. Like what, what equipment are you using? What software, all that good stuff. I use, I mean, uh, Adobe Lightroom. I love more than anything in the world. <laughs> uh, and Photoshop I use too, but I, I generally, you know, I do a daily blog of New York, so it's a mixture of street photography and kind of urban landscapes and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I generally tend to put up the photographs. I do five a week generally, and I tend to put them up pretty quickly after I take them. Like every day you're posting, Monday through Friday? Every day I'm posting, but I generally – I mean I go out maybe one day every two weeks for a specific day of shooting. Oh, okay. So you capture, you gang load a bunch of photos yeah, and then, I, yeah, then, but every day you're post, you're, you're doing the processing every day and getting an image ready for the blog. Every, yeah. Every day I spend, you know, for anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes and I, I don't try to get them perfect for the blog. It's, you know, I'll get it perfect later if I want to turn it into a print, Yeah, but it, you know, it's more, it's, it's, I'm trying to just create a, a daily view of New York for people. That is really cool. It's that, a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Um, wow. I had no idea. So that's that's a good routine. So what 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 is your routine? So do you do that? You wake up, you go get your coffee, you sit down in front of the computer, and you do your post processing and posting, and you go on about your day, or is that the end of the day? How does that work? Uh, it, it's generally first thing first thing in the morning. Um, yeah, I like to do that. It's the most fun thing to do. So, so I like you, to do you that. wake up, you stretch, you put on your your uh, your Scooby Doo slippers, <laughs> <Yeah>. and. You- <laughs> And you head over. No slippers. That's an, that's an important rule for working at home for me. <laughs> you got to have the Scooby Doo slippers. I'm just yeah. <laughs> cool. And for the younger yeah. kids in the crowd, Scooby Doo was a cartoon. <laughs> if you don't know. <laughs> cool. Okay. Yeah, so, so yeah, I, I do it over coffee. Um, and sometimes, like you know, I'm in. I'm on vacation. I just I, I spent you know half a day putting up you know uh, scheduling posts. Yeah. So and, are you? So you. That, that's a that's a good question. So do you do you do the post processing, write the post, put the you know embed the photo and all that stuff in there, and then hit make it live? You post it live, or do you queue things up so that you are a couple of days behind and you have posts scheduled to go live on certain days so that you're always you know just sort of backfilling? Um, I generally, I mean, when I'm when I'm at home, 
and um, in my routine, I do it. I do it once a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but then when I go away, I, I tend to cue them up. Okay. Um, I I prefer to be honest. It's really fun to kind of you know sometimes you don't have enough photographs that you really like, and so you kind of go back through your archive. And you notice things that you completely, you know, disregarded the first time around. Yeah. And sometimes those are the best photographs. And you don't realize it till maybe a month or two later. Uh, it's pretty amazing how frequent that happens. Yeah, photographers need to learn how to data mine their own archives, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Separate themselves from the moment because you'll you, sometimes you'll take a photo and at the moment you won't think of anything of it, and so you'll disregard it later. But, you know, it might be the best photograph of the day and you just didn't think about it at the time. So when, when you're post-processing, so you said you're in Lightroom. Are you on a Mac or Windows machine? Uh, Mac. Uh, Mac Pro. Okay. So you're a portable then? Or the, or oh, no, the, 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 desktop? No, the Mac Pro, not the MacBook. Oh, okay, cool. Got it. Got yeah. it. Okay. So you're sitting down at your Mac Pro. You're doing your post-processing in Lightroom. Yeah. Um, per image, how long do you think you, you know, basically on average take? Uh, for the blog, it's it's pretty. It it only takes me about you know I've been doing this uh, for a while, so it probably takes me anywhere from five to fifteen minutes. Wow, you know okay. a, yeah. a couple times a you know it, it's it's to get it to a general place, and then when I when I create prints for the site, then I'll spend a lot more time kind of refining them. Got it. Got it. Cool. And then the gear overall, you know, take me through that. So you, you have the Mac Pro on the post-processing side with Lightroom. And on the front end, you're, you're shooting Canon. Take me just briefly through what's, what's in a general purpose bag that you would pack to take out. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, take, I have the, my, my three favorite lenses are the 28 1.8. The, uh, I have a 24-105, but I prefer the 24-70, mm-hmm. um, which is my kind of everyday zoom lens. That's your walk-around and- lens? Yeah, that's my walk around lens. That that and the the twenty eight prime are my two walk around lenses. Okay, and then I have the seventy to uh, to two hundred, which I'm, if I'm feeling particularly strong during the day, I'll take that in my bag too. <laughs> that's um, cool. Yeah, so you know, it's, it's I, it can get it's it's tiring, you know, if you're walking around for a whole day with all that equipment. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. That could that could cause back problems. <laughs> completely. Yeah, you have to be careful for that. Yeah. So tell me about the book. So you wrote you wrote an ebook, um, which I, I mentioned in the beginning, called "Essentials of Street Photography." Tell me about that book, what's in it, and why you wrote it. It was. Uh, it took me about maybe a year and a quarter to write. Um, the impetus for it was I basically, you know, I, I, I write a lot about street photography for different websites, uh, particularly Digital Photography School. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, when you write in that capacity, which I, I love to do, it's the articles are very specific, you know, they're tip articles or the things like that. And then I thought that, you know, it's sometimes that doesn't, it's not the best for someone who's trying to learn about it because you're learning very specifically about how one photographer works. Right. And so I wanted to create something that was all encompassing, very general, focused on it in a conceptual way at first. So they could, you know, people could learn about why, what street photography is, you know, why you should do it, why it's fun and then kind of go into all the different technical ways of shooting. And then I wanted to do, I did the, the supplementary book, Street Photography Conversations, mm-hmm. where I tried to find six different photographers that shot in completely different ways to kind of show that, you know, it's, you know, you don't have to shoot with a, a Leica. You could shoot with a long lens if you're too afraid of getting close. Yep. Um, you can shoot with a Hasselblad. There's, I mean, I think... Two photographers shoot with Leicas. One shoots with a Nikon with a twenty-eight to three hundred. One shoots with a Hasselblad. Um, 
couple cannon shooters in there. Yeah, it's you know it's it's very diverse. There's so, no there's no one right way to to accomplish street photography, right? Not at all. Um, and it's it's the, the impetus of the book was to teach all of the different ways that are out there, but at the same time, you know, help people focus on finding the ways that are best suited for them. So if you were going to throw out a tip, someone saying, hey, you know what, I want to, this is awesome, I want to jump into street photography, what should they do first? Like, what, what's the first step? You know, say they have the gear, they're happy with the gear that they have, um, but they, they're, they're in search of a topic or a or particular area to focus on, forgive the pun, how should they, how should they get started? Um, I mean, my favorite thing is just to tell people to photograph their block or their neighborhood. Mm-hmm where they're from. It's a good exercise, you know, try to tell a story about what it's like in your area through maybe 12 images and maybe, you know, six of them will have people in it and six of them will be kind of, you know, scenic shots that give you a sense of the culture. Um, so that's, it's a good way to get yourself involved. And, you know, you know, it's, if you, if you live in an area with not a lot of people, then you can do street shots without people in it. Now, what what would that look like? It's a, like a landscape shot or just environmental? I mean, kind of a landscape. You want to give a sense of how people live. You know, it could be your kitchen. You know, it could yep. be your mom's house. It could be, you know, it really, it could take place anywhere. Or like a series of kitchens, like the, the kitchens of New York. <laughs> yep. you know, the kitchens of the East Village. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would actually like be kind of cool. Of New York. <laughs> <laughs> that would be kind of cool, actually. Yeah. yeah so Does it, anybody it, actually cook in New York? I thought everybody went out to dinner. Yeah. Uh, my, we do a lot. Um, my wife is a fantastic cook. I'm a terrible cook, but I'm a great cleaner. Nice. Nice. Well, perfect combination. Then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and we don't have a dishwasher. We don't have space for a dishwasher, so I do all the dishes by hand. <laughs> you have a dishwasher named James, right? Exactly. Yes, I'm a dishwasher. <laughs> Very cool. All right. I, I, have a, I have a question for you. Um, Tiffany's. So some of your work or a lot of your work is featured in Tiffany's and we're talking Tiffany's, the little blue box Tiffany's. Uh, tell me about that and how that came about and, and what's going on there. Uh, well, I mean, I, a big part of my, my business is based on search engines. Mm-hmm. I'm big, uh, you know, I, I've, I, to be a successful photographer these days, you need to market yourself well. And um, I've focused for about the last, you know, eight years on getting my site to be ranked really well for the New York terms. Mm-hmm. And I've come out with some amazing clients through that. Uh, Tiffany's contacted me, and I created a, created a relationship with them. Um, they've put my photographs in, in maybe about 50 of their stores and used my photo for one of their videos. Yep. Um, I've had you know, some, some major companies contact me just straight through that. Um, so, it, yeah, it's, it's – you know, when you're a young photographer, it's, it's a very good way – to get yourself exposed to so so is your where like exactly in tiffany's is your work is it in the the tiffany's catalog or is it in the stores it's actually prints framed in their stores around the world oh that's crazy yeah it's (laughs) so i have have yet to uh travel to any i mean there's a a tiffany store in kazakhstan apparently with one of my photographs wow wow Um, so did they just like here's a box full of cool jewelry take pictures of this and and give us the raw files. How did that work? Oh no, no, they actually put my New York photos in there. Oh, okay, got it. Got yeah, it. They, uh, I guess they 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 saw a couple of my photographs. Uh, so I don't know how they found me exactly, but it was through search engines. And then through that, I you know uh, created a relationship with uh, one of their main art buyers. And so through that, we just kind of 
converse and, uh, you know, work on photos to put in their stores. That is so cool, man. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, that's actually, you know, for photographers out there trying to sell art or sell their art, um, seeking out art buyers and interior designers is a fantastic way to, uh, be able to sell your work. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, that's a whole nother interview we could talk Completely about. How to <laughs> yeah. But before we close off, um, you know, I know that you, you sent me an email before about you had, for some strange reason on earth, disassembled a, Fu- uh, a Fuji X100. Yeah. It was what was very, going on? What was in your head when you were doing <laughs> it? Was, it's a very sad story. I, I love that camera. It was my backup every day, walk around camera, incredible image quality. Uh, so I went, I made the mistake of, I was going on a bachelor party with a, with a bunch of my friends mm-hmm. in Key West and one of my friends, uh, scheduled a, a fishing trip and I figured it would be a big boat since there was 11 of us. Yep. And so it turned out we get there and there's two tiny, very tiny boats and they're called the SS hit them hard. Not, not even going there. <laughs> yeah, that was my first uh, first alert that something was. The, wait a minute. So you were on a bachelor party aboard the SS Hit 'em Hard. Hit 'em Hard. Yep. Okay. All right. Was, I'm going to leave it right there. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it, you, you can kind of guess the rest. I, I had the camera in my bag. It was protected. The captain says, tells us all, like, hey, uh, if you guys want to put your bags down, we have this dry container. Uh, you know, your stuff will be totally safe there. So we all put all of our electronics in there and stuff. Cell phones. Yep. And of course, he by accident covers up the drainage pipe. <laughs> so, at the end of our this trip, this is the captain we, of the SS Hitamard. Of the SS Hitamard, yes. All right, that should have been your first clue. Uh, it should have been my first clue, yes. And uh, a side note is, it was a very rough day, and I probably threw up about twelve times on this boat. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was a fun day. I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, our stuff was soaking in salt water for about two hours. Mm. Um, luckily, my phone turned out completely fine. It was right next. It was in a separate pocket, but uh, you know, it was. Just clearly dead, the camera, clearly. Uh, and so I just decided, you know, it was a very hot camera at the time. I thought people would be interested. I decided to take it apart. And it was one of the most amazing things I've done. Uh, I had no idea how intricate it was. It took me about maybe six or seven hours to take it apart. Wow. Um, so you took it about meticulously, like piece by piece, tweezers, all that stuff, right? Yeah. If, if you, I mean, if you want to check out the, the blog post, uh, if you Google... James Mayer, uh, Fuji X100, it'll come up. Okay. And it, I mean, it has about, I forget how many screws, hundreds of tiny screws. And it was kind of a puzzle. You had to actually locate certain screws hidden under things to be able to take certain parts apart. And it came apart into about 500 pieces. Everything was just fit together so perfectly. There wasn't like a little space that was unused. And it's, you know, you should really Google it and check out, check out, uh, it was, I mean, that actually, like, Gadget and Gadget and Gizmodo picked that up. That's great. Yeah, it was pretty funny. That's <laughs> crazy. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. So if folks want to Google that, again, that's James Mayer, and it's M-A-H-E-R, Fuji X100. And the first, the first Google search result is that article. <laughs> so <laughs> definitely check that out. Cool, man. All right. Well, uh, the, the, my final question for you, I want to be respectful of your time. I know you you, you got a plane to catch, literally. Um, so... So tell me about the transition from being a math major to a photographer. It seems like that's, that's like left brain, right brain. Completely. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big uh, ADD, left brain, right brain person. Uh, 
I was kind I was in Madison, Wisconsin in the freezing cold winters. Um, and I guess I just, I was, I had, didn't really have a direction in life and I just did it cause I was good at it. Mm-hmm. And my last semester or last year, I was just to the point of being finished. Uh, and then my grandfather got really sick in New York. And so I made a deal with my parents that said, uh, if you put me up in photography school for a year, I'll, uh, go back and I'll, I'll live with them and take care of them at the same time. Mm. And so it was kind of a, you know, it was a really, it was one of the most important years of my life. Uh, and it really kind of, there's a, you know, a lot of other stuff going on at the same time, but it was, it, it, I was able to step back and just take a, you know, take a, um, think, think about what I wanted to do with my life. Yeah. And photography, what just photography is so technical and creative at the same time that it really appealed to me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Same here. Yeah. So it's, you know, uh, there's so many different aspects to it. So I, and I was always into computers as well. So I figured I had kind of uh, an advantage in that aspect of it. And so I just, you know, I, I ended up uh, doing a year in the ICP and then I went back and finished my degree in Wisconsin. And then I came back and I assisted for a commercial photographer for a couple of years in New York and then did continuing ed at both the SVA and ICP. And then from there, I just kind of loved it and went full force yeah, that's cool. So you, you probably never had any problems figuring out lighting ratios and that sort of thing, right? Not really. <laughs> that came easy at, for you, I would assume. Yeah, I mean, I'm very good at calculating tips at restaurants. Um, <laughs> there you go. You know there's an app for that. I just want to say. Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. All right, James. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for, for taking the time. I know it's a hectic time in your life. Um, for, for coming on the show and uh, sharing your knowledge about street photography with us. If you'd like people to, to, to find out more about street photography and you and see some of your work and all that good stuff, where, where would you like them to go? Um, they should go straight to my website. Everything's there. It's uh, com. Um, and I have a list of a lot of my articles. I have You can read about the book on there. You can see all my photographs. Um, and if you have if you have any questions, just send me an email. And you know, if they I, if they want to just go grab that ebook, where should they go? Uh, if they go directly to my site, there's a link right there. Okay. That and says and how much is that? How much is the ebook right now? It goes for uh, 19.95. Cool. Easy. Yeah. A bargain at any price to get to mm-hmm. get your feet into the the street photography world. So, thank you for writing that book. It's uh, oh, it's great. I have it's it it has a permanent place on my iPad. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> Cool, man. All right. Well, you uh, you get on with it, and good luck with your journey back to the East Coast. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you talking to me. You're welcome. Take care, Gene. Yeah, you too. Have a good one. Okay, that was James Maher. If you want to connect to him, just uh, check out his URLs. They'll be listed in the show notes for this episode. And, uh, you know, reach out to him and tell him what you think of his work. Okay, now we're going to jump into really quickly, quickly our listener Q&A. This is the segment where we answer a couple of questions that have been at the top of some of our listeners' minds. And question number one is from Gio. And Gio says he found this site called Shoot Proof for proofing and selling pictures online. And what's nice about it is you get all the pro features in the free version with a limit of 100 pictures with no commission on sales. Is it too good to be true? Are these guys legit? I've been trying it and it seems awesome, but I'm up to the point where I need, where they need my personal info to set up payments. What would you recommend? Now, Evgeny, I'm not going to ask you this because I know you guys are allowing people to sell photos on 500 pics. So it's not fair to ask you to comment on someone else, but Richard, I'll ask you, what do you think? 
Well, so I, I need to be, be proper disclosure here. They actually just signed on as a sponsor for the Photo Focus site. Mm. So what that means is, is that you know, is that you can't hey, talk about them either. <laughs> I can tell you that I looked at them though. So let me let me just tell you what I looked at, and 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 I'm going to reserve an opinion. Okay. Um, they have paid services, so you know, their full intention by offering a free service is to make you a paid customer, and they want to give you a free taste so you can get to see that. The other side of things, and many sites are this way, is that there's the, he, he brought up commissions, and, and there's two ways commissions can work. For example, Frederick, you sometimes will link to Amazon.com when there's a product that you want to mention to your viewers on your blog. I do the same. Mm-hmm. When, I, when we do that, the person who comes to our blog doesn't pay anything more to get that product, but you and I get a small kickback from Amazon as an affiliate fee because we're, we're drawing an audience in. Yep. So they don't have to charge you a commission because they will get a small feedback likely from a lab, and other people do this. So there's two ways commissions can come. The site could be charging a photographer a commission on the sale, and or the site could be getting a commission from the lab that does the printing. Well, some sites take it both ways. This particular site just gets it from the lab, but you don't pay any more for the print. Um, that's my understanding. So I'm not going to comment on the quality of the service or any of the things that they do. I think people should try it, and it's nice that it's free. But that's the issue there is that there was a skepticism because many people charge both ways. They charge the user, and they charge the lab. These guys are just charging the lab, and there are other sites that do the same thing. That's great. I mean, that, that's perfect. Now, you know, I know you, you, know, you, you can't go any further into it because they're a sponsor of PhotoFocus, but I think – it's telling that you accepted accepted them as a sponsor of PhotoFocus that they're not a fly by night kind of company. So you know, I think the the at the very least, the photographers can take a look at them and see what they think and form their own opinions. Okay, question number two is from Stacy Morris. Stacy uh, Stacy Norris, sorry with an N. Stacy says, uh, so how about some tips on best shooting result or or best results shooting events like basketball, volleyball, and water polo? Yep, I said water polo. Says she has a niece that loves to play water polo. Marco Polo. She has a niece that (laughs) likes to play water polo, and she's using a D six hundred with a twenty four to one twenty millimeter lens. Yevgeny, what about you? What do do you think about this shooting these kind of high high speed action sports? If somebody gets a photo of Marco Polo, they would get really rich. <laughs> nice. It's like Elvis, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, there those are different sports, but obviously, like all of them are uh, fast-paced sports. So it's uh, either aperture priority, but you know, keeping sure that your ISO is pretty high uh, to get the proper. Uh, uh, shutter speed mm-hmm. or just the shutter speed priority so that you can get all the action uh, so that it's crisp and nice and what I found is that when shooting sports even if they are, they don't seem as fast paced for example like volleyball you need at least one thousandths or uh, even faster than that maybe one two thousandths of a second to shoot it nicely so that way you can get even drops of sweat from the, or like if it's water polo, then it's drops of water uh, clearly enough Yeah, in yeah. your photos. So just the freezy action. Yeah. Yep. And I, I would throw out, don't be afraid to shoot at higher ISOs these days. I mean, the cameras are very forgiving and, and you know, while lots of people think, oh, sports, I have to shoot JPEG, the additional recovery benefits and noise reduction of RAW 
you know, she probably just wants the best image. She's not needing to get all the pictures. She's just shooting the person she cares about. Take advantage of the newer tech and the cameras. Use the RAW. Use the higher ISOs. They're very, very forgiving these days. Very yeah, cool. and she's shooting with the 600, so it's a nice camera, so she can go as as high as 6400, which is pretty cool. Yeah. 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 I would also say uh, watch for the color balance because those basketball uh, courts are really, you know, everything is yellow, it seems like. Yeah, they, li- they, they light those courts with what? Is it? Is it the, uh, the, what is it? It's not halogen. What is that light source in there? You guys know? I Richard? don't know. God, I forget what it's the same stuff that they use in parking lots. <laughs> but it's but it, if all else fails, just convert into black and white. Uh oh, there we go. Or, See, and shoot in Paris. Yeah. <laughs> and I would also recommend if she has, if there is an important game, you know, like the final game, whatever. I don't, not, but I'm not really big on um, team sports. So I don't really know how that, uh, basketball works. But uh, rent along the lens maybe for a weekend mm-hmm. and try something new. Because yeah. uh, twenty four to one twenty, that's pretty limiting for sports. You know, maybe um, three hundred or something. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, for uh, just to rent one for just to try it out. Good advice. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's a good good point to take away from that that particular question is to or two points is to don't be afraid to shoot a high ISOs because the cameras these days, especially the D six hundred, can handle that. And if you don't have the a long enough lens, like she says, she's trying to shoot sports with a 24 to 120, which is kind of short. Then yeah. that's, uh, the, that's the kit lens that comes with the D600, I believe. And it's a nice lens, but it's still an F4 yeah. um, or maybe a 3.5, depending on uh, where you're zoomed in on it. So it's a good kit lens, but yeah, I mean, if she's not a great kit lens, right? <laughs> and there, there's a very reasonable 28 to 300 millimeter lens or 24 to 300 millimeter lens that they make. If you're looking for just a one lens solution, I call that my tourist lens and it's what i take i shoot with the d600 i love it um but that lens is not great for sports it's not bad for sports it's a lot better than the old kit lenses but it's not the best out there now richard you you uh got your hands on a new piece of camera gear right what what was it yeah, I, uh, uh, Adorama shipped me uh, a 6D to, to when I was out here in Vegas to start testing so I can uh. record a review this week. And I, uh, How do you get I'm that ha- hookup? I, I need stuff to show up like that here. <laughs> well, <What> I, is- <laughs> have to, I have to give it back. So <laughs> what? You get to play with it. <laughs> I get to play with it. Well, that's part of my job. I do I do weekly camera reviews for them. Uh, I stand in front of a camera and try to sound intelligent and tell people what's good and bad about new cameras. So it's kind of a fun gig. Um, so that's on YouTube at Adorama TV. But the 6D just showed up. It's clearly between the 5D and the 7D. It's right smack in the middle. And so it feels great in the hand. It's very, very solid. The menu system is nicely improved. Um, it's a lot easier to navigate. They've got you know great auto ISO in there. Very good sensitivity on the ISO. Great quality. I mean, I've just started shooting with it. I'm 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 limiting myself to shooting with a nice 50 millimeter lens, so I have to focus on the camera. And uh, it's nice. The video quality looks good. Um, very solid camera. So if the 5D Mark III just seemed a little bit out of your price zone, but you are wanting a lot of those features, this is a very nice step up from a 7D. And uh, I, I think it's quite nice. And what, what's the price point of that thing? It's about 2100 or so for the body only. So it's, it's reasonable. That's in there. Yeah. By there. the way, I, I just saw that the 5D Mark III was for sale for 2900 
Hmm. Oh, interesting. Today, I saw that on Facebook today, an ad, and I can't remember who. Interesting. Uh, maybe BNH was. I'm, I'm not sure, but that's five hundred dollars less than it was sold for. I don't know, guys. I think my next major camera purchase is going to be something a little bit smaller than a DSLR. So, oh, I, yeah, 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 I have to admit, some of the I've been I played with the OMD. The mm-hmm. camera's nice, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would, <laughs> 20, 2013 is the year of trying not to look like a professional photographer. <laughs> <laughs> As oh, well and the play. new Canon, is it the M? The, the yeah, yeah, mirrorless? Yeah. They will, what I don't like about it is that it doesn't have a, um, a viewfinder, mm. but they're going to release a new one in 2013 with the viewfinder. Interesting. See, but you see how the the direction is moving. You know, I think I predict by 2015 that, and you can, you guys can, you know, remind me of this in a couple of years. By 2015, shooting with these big DSLRs with white lenses and long black Nikon lenses and all this stuff is going to be kind of like pulling out a suitcase cell phone with a corded <laughs> a cord on it, like Miami Vice style. You know, it will be for old people. It will be for old people. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm telling you. Oh, Richard, the 6D, is it the same body size as the 5D? No, it it's smaller? It, it's smaller, but it's not – it doesn't feel like a toy. And it's got okay. a nice coating. It's very easy to grip. Nice. Um, and so it's a little bit smaller than the 5D, which I actually like because it, it's the right feeling. I, you know, for example, and, and to your comment of looking like a tourist, you know, I've gone shooting with this around in Las Vegas, and I have not been harassed yet. Um, mm-hmm. Where, you know, if it was a 1DX, I probably would be harassed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how long it takes to, for this to, to trigger the photo police. But uh, so far, so good. And that's because you didn't have a white lens attached to it. <laughs> Probably, yes. yes. <laughs> Canon is thinking, why did we choose to make those lenses white? I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> All right, guys, let's jump quickly into the picks of the week. Uh, this is the segment where you guys, our guests, can pick anything to recommend to the listeners as long as it is somehow related to photography. Richard, why don't you go first? What's your pick of the week? Well, I, I want to encourage people to take a look at that TAP 2013 conference. There's going to be tons of great people there from the photo industry. Scott Kelby, Scott Bourne, we've got Terry White, lots of folks from Adobe. And while it's not a photography conference, it's all about getting your photography out there. And you're going to learn about licensing your images, digital rights, getting your content to a broader place. If you've ever wanted to do a book or an app or start digital publishing, uh, this is it. And so if people use the code VIPRH, they could take 250 off the registration. That's the deepest discount out there. And if they react within a couple of days of hearing this, the early bird discount is still in place. And we have a couple of copies left of three months of free Creative Suite uh, for people who subscribe. We got a certain number from Adobe that'll give them access to Adobe Digital Publishing Suite and all the Adobe apps. So you put all those discounts together, and it's essentially free. Go to Florida the first week of January, where chances are, unless you live where Frederick lives, it's probably cold. So come down. We've got a photo walk. We're going to be doing all sorts of great things. And if you just say, you know what, I want to start actually making money from my photography or getting more people seeing it, this is a perfect conference for you. There's a whole big photo angle to it. God, why, why hasn't this conference been around before? It sounds like the perfect conference for the kind of stuff that I like to do. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, I, I got pissed that it wasn't around before, and I'm one of the organizers, and that's why it's now around because I decided to actually put it together. Nice. I'm working with a couple of folks on it, but it's around because I got sick of looking for it, so we did it ourselves. 
That's and that's the classic Silicon Valley way, right? Yevgeny, that's what that's why you built 500 picks, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's why I really like the idea. Yeah. yeah. So, Yevgeny, what's what's your pick of the week? Oh well, my pick. I think Valerie will like it a lot. It's uh, Ilford disposable camera. So Ilford, the famous film uh, manufacturer, is coming up with a disposable camera that shoots HP5 film, and it sells for around 24 bucks with uh, 27 shots, mm. and it includes processing as well. So you can buy it with uh, pre-processed, uh, like uh, That's for cool. that matter. This and, is this is film, right? This is a disposable and, film camera. And this is actual film, yeah. It's wow. an actual disposable camera. I remember those. Yeah. Like seriously? <laughs> Does it make the clicking sound when you turn the dial still? <laughs> I, I miss that so. ratcheting yeah. sound. The k- that would just be so retro just to like show up you know especially like richard you get one of these and everyone's expecting oh it's richard harrington showing up with you know his all his gear and his nikons or whatever but you show up with a a uh, disposable camera and you're like eh, eh, eh. <laughs> i you know what i want dude i want flash cubes to come back in style when i was a little oh, kid i yes. used to get in trouble for triggering off the i used to go through flash cubes and like have a screwdriver and trigger them and i was just a little, little pyro but i want flash cubes to come back i love those my dad used to give me the the old ones to play with <laughs> the spent the spent flash cubes i used to play with those Oh man, that's that's cool. All right, so how much? What does that cost again, Yevgeny? What was the price? Um, it's I think it's around twenty four dollars, and it comes with pro- uh, processing. Uh, I don't know whether it's check or something, so you can. Uh, it's prepaid. It's prepaid. Uh, you just drop it in the mail, and then you go take photos. Drop it in the mail, and photos show up a couple of days later. That I don't know, but it would be cool if it if it did so. Yeah, <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, we'll definitely check that out. That, that looks I think that's awesome. Valerie, you should you should distribute those. I remember I remember at uh, weddings a while back, people were doing that. And I don't know if they still do it, but they'd put disposable cameras on the guest place yeah. settings and let them take pictures and then turn the we, photos in. We did that at my wedding, which must mean I'm officially old. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that was back in the Lincoln era or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think it would be perfect for. I just wrote an article about the power of limitations. Like, pretend even if you have a digital camera, pretend you're shooting a 24 exposure for a day and make every single frame count. Yeah. And you'll have a lot more keepers at the end of the day than if you shoot a thousand frames because you will shoot with intent more than if you just pray and no spray and pray. Yeah. Um, so that would be a great photo walk project. Totally. Um, yeah. Give everybody one of those. They can only shoot 27 frames and, and they're going to, they're going to make sure they compose their, their, their pictures but much well, more how, how they talk to each other they couldn't show each other the lcd screen and chimp as a group that's right no chimping allowed yeah that's right that's right that is that would that is a that would be a great photo walk i think yeah very cool all right now valerie i'm making you go last um because you picked my pick of the week so i'm punishing oh i'm myself. sorry <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The, in the mail today, I got a book from Peach Pit or a, a package from Peach Pit that had this your pick of the week in it. So I was like, oh, perfect. This is my pick of the week. This is awesome. And here it is in the show notes from Valerie. Perfect. So you should have put your show your, your pick of the week before me. I know. Um, I should have. So uh, the photographer's MBA by Sal Sincota. I think that's how you say his name. Mm-hmm. And it's an easy read for anyone who is ready to make the step into running a photography business. 
and it's from choosing the right business entity to writing a business plan to branding and social media strategies and determining costs and pricing and contracts. And it's, um, it's, it's really nice. It's really easy to read and it covers it all. Um, especially the social media part, because there are a lot of books about, you know, how to run a photography business, how to be, how to turn pro. Um, and this covers the social media aspect really well, I thought. And it's published by Peach Pit. And I think it's under 20 bucks at Amazon. So we'll put the link. Very cool. You know, and I would also recommend along with that, if you're trying to get just a full rounded um, education from books on photography business. Scott Bourne and um, Skip Cohen have a book out that we've talked about on the show before called Going Pro. So that yeah. would be a great companion to this book. If you had these, it'd be the one-two punch. You'd be about you know seven years ahead of your competition with those two books, and you just sit down and read them, and you're you're ahead of the competition. Richard, you know about that one, right? Oh yeah, great book. And I actually uh, was just with both of those guys yesterday, so it's funny you bring them up. But uh, Skip is uh, doing some very cool stuff, and uh, I would recommend that you both follow Scott Bourne and Skip Cohen. Uh, they got cool things coming, and, and uh, that's a great book. And what's the, the best thing about that book is not just that those two give so generously, but that they invited hundreds of photographers to share some of their images and some of their best tips. So it really is a community book, and, and I like that. And, and Peach puts a lot of good books out. I look forward to checking that one out too. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Richard, who doesn't follow Scott Bourne already? Doesn't he have like a million <laughs> He's, I don't Twitter know. <laughs> No, 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 no. Twitter, Twitter's different than Google+. Plus. So, so Scott's about 125,000 uh, and a highly, a very genuine high real rating if you look at that stuff, as, as opposed to Google+, Plus, which seems to do very creative counting. Like, I don't know how some people have 8 million followers on Google+, Plus because I don't think there's that many people into photography. But. <laughs> I know who you're referring to, because I had Trey on, and Trey has 8, well, he doesn't have 8 million on Google+, Plus. he has 8 million total cumulatively across his social networks but yeah i mean i don't i don't know you know a lot of people brought up the the idea or the uh the uh the issue of these bots that follow people and creative counting of the people that are following you like okay you put, somebody, put somebody in five circles you've got you counts got as five it counts followers. as five people yeah, yeah yeah so i've got seven gmail accounts and every you know for different things and they make <laughs> me have a google plus one for every single account they do automatically right and it's hard to get rid of it right yeah <laughs> Crazy, crazy. I don't know. Yeah. Social media will take over the world. Yeah. Well, at least nobody questions Justin Bieber numbers. <laughs> oh no, yeah. <laughs> but those that's a different demographic entirely. So. <laughs> and one that I don't care really to be involved with. <laughs> I don't know. I'll I'll wear the MC Hammer hot pants if you cut your hair that way. Uh, all right. All right. Seriously? You know I don't have any hair, right? <laughs> no, first you have to grow it out. That's why it's perfectly safe for me to say this. <laughs> All right. So you brought a hey, twip listeners. I just want to go on record to say that Richard Harrington once again brought up MC Hammer. So you need to create an MC Hammer caricature of Richard Harrington. <laughs> and put that bling camera on. And put yeah, for extra credit, put Will I Am's camera around his neck. <laughs> That is, if any of you out there have Photoshop skills. I don't know if anybody does. There you go. Throwing it down again. I'm throwing, I'm throwing down the gauntlet, man. I want to see what comes well, out of it. If they want Photoshop skills, check out the Understanding Adobe Photoshop podcast. But uh, I guarantee you, I will not teach you how to do photo characters. 
That's so cool. Where is that? Is that on where where do you distribute that at, Richard? That's on iTunes only. And uh if you pick up the book Understanding Adobe Photoshop, it actually has like seventy five uh free videos on the disc, so about eight hours of content and we're doing some stuff with Lynda.com too. So I've actually dramatically increased I'm releasing probably three to four hours of new video content a month right now through Linda. We've got a free series there on DSLR video. So if you watch it each week, it's totally free. You don't even have to be a Linda member. And that'll teach you a lot about working video into your photography workflow. Okay. Well I'm gonna I'm gonna end with this. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw the gauntlet down seriously. So What's the name of that title, Richard, on uh, on iTunes? Uh, Understanding Adobe Photoshop. Understanding Adobe Adobe Photoshop. Okay, so here's the challenge, and this is this is uh, exclusive of the the uh, the contest we have going on. So here's the challenge, Twip listeners. I'm throwing this down personally. This is a personal Frederick Van Johnson challenge to you. So get understanding Adobe Photoshop from iTunes. Use what you learn in that. Go find an image of Richard online, preferably a Creative Commons image of Richard. Oh, you, you can use my headshot. I give you permission. And if you make a good one, the best one that Frederick picks, I will send them a signed copy of the book. There you go. Done. There's the prize right there. He will send you a signed copy of the book if you uh, you put that together. To enter, just email it to me. Email it to, um, let's see, I'll set up an email address, and we'll call it contests at thisweekinphoto.com. Just for that image, you'll have a separate email. Oh, yeah, totally. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't need that in my life right now. <laughs> I don't need my personal email account being spammed. So, especially with all these pictures of Richard Harrington. <laughs> so, contests, contests at thisweekinphoto.com. Get get understanding Adobe Adobe Photoshop from iTunes and use the techniques in there to get Richard Harrington to look like MC Hammer with extra credit the Will I Am camera as bling around his neck. <laughs> Make it happen. You'll get the book, and I'll throw in something cool too. I'm not going to tell you what it is because I need to find it, but I'll throw I'll throw in something cool as well that will be worth at least as much as the book that he's putting in. So. All right, so I just put that down. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. And we'll post. And we'll post the winner's image on Twip, right? Yes, absolutely. The okay. winner and all over and all over Facebook, so they can <laughs> so they can steal it. Yes, <laughs> we'll steal it. Yeah, so people can steal it and do whatever they want with it. It'll be on Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. Yeah, awesome. All right, Richard, you uh, you the gauntlet the gauntlet's thrown down. All right. All right. Quickly, guys, my my pick of the week is a uh, is an i is an app uh, called um, what is it called? It's called the Photographer's Ephemeris, and it is. I'm going to the page now because I want to. I want to. Yeah, it's called TPE for iOS, the Photographer's Ephemeris, and it helps you plan your outdoor photography shoots in natural light. It basically tells you where the sun's going to be, where the moon's going to be. You can see how the light's going to fall. You know, all that stuff. So it, makes, it lets you visual. Like, for example, say you go into the Grand Canyon or something and you're like, okay, we're going we're gonna to arrive there around sunset. What's the best place for me to be in order to get that shot? You can just pull it up on this app and it will tell you where the best place to be is. And it'll even kind of show you where the light's going to be falling. It'll show you lines of where the sun is going to be and where, it's, where the shadows will cast and all that. So it's, it's, really, it's a really good tool if you're that photographer that likes to plan things out. And I think you should be if you're going to places that you hadn't been before. So it's really they, they, could, they couldn't think of a harder name. <laughs> ephemeris you can't spell ephemeris 
There's no I, F. There's no I, F in I, ephemeris. I feel like I need a medical dictionary or somebody to hold my hand. But can I search under TPE to find it? Will it show up? No, I don't think so. You okay. have to go to the TWIP show notes to find it. That's the All issue. right. Uh, I think it's a conspiracy. And that's conspiracy with a silent Q. <laughs> with a PH. <laughs> I love it. All right, we're having way too much fun here. All right, guys, uh, let's end the show. Um, yeah, this is this was a great show. It's good. To, it's good that we're back on schedule. And I thank you all for coming on again. This is this is excellent. I hope to talk to you guys again really soon. Richard Harrington, where would you like people to go to keep up with you and the stuff that you're involved with? If they want to follow me on social media, you can usually find me under Red Pixel, uh, R-H-E-D-P-I-X-E-L, or under like Google Plus, just under Richard Harrington. I do contribute. Tribute to Photofocus, and I have a personal blog, lamely named Richard Harrington Blog. So if you can't find it, just search for Richard Harrington Blog, and you will, oh, magically find it. But I post there daily about photography, video, business, and creativity. There's six years' worth of entries. Uh, If you head over to Photofocus, that blog's been going for like 15 years now with daily posts. How do you do that? How do you – as busy as you are. Scott's the man. I'm just – I'm trying to learn to be the man. Man, but he he is just a generous machine that blogs daily and gives back. But we did record a bunch of cool stuff today. Like I, I'm in Vegas visiting him, and we 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 worked on a review for the 60, and we mm-hmm. uh, we just did an unboxing of the new GoPro Black, walking you through how to get it out of the box, how to get it set up. So we're doing fun stuff, but you know we we do it because we we've uh, you know he's taught me one thing, which is just share what you're passionate about and what you give a damn about and then it doesn't feel like work and people will either like it or hate it but you know what who cares if they don't like it they could they're not paying for it so yeah. most people like it yeah that's good that's a good philosophy i love that and scott has told me the same thing i love it it's sage advice yeah he's a good man all right thank you richard valerie what about you where can people go to keep up with you um well through my website valeriejardinphotography.com and that's all in one word B-A-L-E-R-I-E-J-A-R-D-I-N, photography. And you can link to my blog, workshop, social media, and everything. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. Well, thanks again for coming on. And Yevgeny, what about you? Where would you like people to go to to check you out? Uh, It would be best to get me on Twitter and 500px. And they're all under my last name, which is really complex. So it's twitter.com or 500px.com slash T-C-H-E-B-O-T-A-R-E-V or Chibotarev. <laughs> you need to shorten that, man. You need <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you need a TPE or something like the photographer's ephemeris. Just to show. <laughs> Rarely is Harrington the easiest name to spell anywhere. So I'm feeling pretty good today. <laughs> hey, dude, people misspell Johnson. So I don't know. <laughs> sure. All right. Well, we'll link to all these in the in the show notes, so you no need to worry about how to spell Yevgeny's last name. We'll link to it directly. Cool. All right, well, guys. Well, thank you and listeners to keep up with everything in the Twip universe. You can check us out at thisweekinphoto.com. Also, you can support the show by leaving us a comment on iTunes. And if you're looking for me, Frederick Van Johnson, you can find me at Frederick Van. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a PixelCore.tv production produced by Suzanne Llewellyn with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.